We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Start for the win. It's good. Bogushevsky takes flight as SGA plays through the contact, banks it in on the foul. What is up, Thunder fans? And welcome to the uncontested post game. Oh, sorry, uncontested, uncontested podcast, post game podcast edition. We are a proud part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network and the official podcast of SI Thunder. I am your host, Taylor Peterson. That's right. You guys are stuck with me again. Two post games straight. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Taylor underscore P15. And you can find us at the uncontested um, on Twitter at the underscore uncontested. You can find us on just about all socials, including Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and even TikTok. Hopefully some of you are tuning in uh, via YouTube right now. Uh, I also know that some of you had have tweeted us, at us recently, and I think the restream link to Twitter, um, you're having trouble being able to view us live on Twitter. So highly recommend you going and finding us on YouTube um, at the underscore uncontested and joining that way. You can also find us on Facebook. Um, and we're working on trying to find a way to, to, to broadcast live on Instagram. But in the meantime, YouTube is probably the way to go. Happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Um, obviously a very, very important day for many, many reasons. And uh, this is a post-game podcast, so we won't dive into them all. But with that being said, um, a fun day for basketball fans, especially those who were lucky enough to be off work. I was not. But the Thunder played a very fun one against the Dallas Mavericks on this MLK Jr. Day. Um Falling to the Mavs 104 to 102 in a very, very, I guess you could say fun one, but really it was a fun second half. <laughs> First half wasn't quite as fun as, as the second. Um, but after, like I said, after a slow first half, the second half did not disappoint at all. At all. We'll dive into it. Thunder were down by as much as 22 in the third quarter, but a late run towards the end of the third quarter, I believe the last six minutes or so, but I have that later on in my notes. Um, it kept it close all the way to the end of the game. Thunder end up ultimately losing by two points. But like I said, another very fun game to break down. Uh, been quite a few of those recently for us Thunder fans, and uh, that's certainly made things much more entertaining and, and very fun. So some no- notes before we get into the game. Darius Baisley starts again. Uh, finally starts again here. <clears throat> Excuse me, for the first time since, I believe, mid-December. I don't have that date uh, in front of me right now. 
But Coach Dagnall said he liked the matchup versus Porzingis. He wanted Bays out there to guard Porzingis specifically. And he even mentioned that Baisley would have started last week against Brooklyn if KD would have played. And, you know, this isn't super surprising if you guys have followed along with uh, some of the, the beat reporters and our own guy, Crane NBA, uh, Nick Crane. He's mentioned that, you know, Dagnall's mentioned that with Baisley's recent play that it, it certainly um, wouldn't be out of the realm to necessarily start him moving forward again. And we saw that tonight. Um, and Daniel said that was mainly because of the matchup, but obviously Baisley's been playing much better in his bench role. Unfortunately, as we'll get into, that didn't necessarily translate when he was back in the starting lineup again. Um, but another note, the Mavs were 8-1 and one in January coming into tonight's game, obviously now 9-1. and one. They're playing really good basketball. Even if tonight wasn't some of their best basketball, uh, I saw a stat. I don't ha- I didn't save it. <laughs> I probably should have. I-, I believe I saw this yesterday. Um, but essentially... The Mavericks are one of the best defensive te- or have been one of the best defensive teams during that eight and one now nine and one stretch. Uh, really, ever since Luca came back from COVID protocols, they've been playing uh, really good on both ends of the floor, but especially the, the defensive end. So obviously, coming into this game is going, going to be a little tough for OKC. Um, but like I said, first half very slow. First quarter starter Bays not so good. We saw the the starter bays of old. We did not see the new bench bays. Um, very first play of the game, or sorry, the very first shot that he had blocked by Porzingis. Um, funny enough, the same thing happened. <laughs> His first shot in the second second half, it wasn't good. Uh, Porzingis got off to a hearts, uh, very hot start. It had the first five points of the half, I believe. Um, had like nine of the Mavericks first like eleven points or something like that. Wasn't great. First time out of the game happens with about. I don't know, maybe six minutes left uh, in the first quarter. Wiggins comes in for Baisley. He's the first sub off the bench uh, at the timeout. That tells you how Baisley was playing. However, to his defense, Porzingis also was subbed out, right? And so that's probably, uh, that that could be more so why we saw um, saw Baisley get subbed out. But regardless, it, it, it wasn't good. It wasn't good at all. We'll get into that more here in a little bit. Um, Dallas already had 10 free throws <laughs> very early into the game or uh, towards the end of the first quarter. There was a lot of fouling going on. And that was a theme that carried throughout the entirety of the game. Um, some justified and warranted, you know, based off how OKC was defending the Mavericks and, and uh, some of the poor defense that they had off and on throughout the game, but also a lot of iffy calls <laughs> that Luca was getting, especially after complaining to the refs, uh, kind of like Bickerstaff the other night. Um, and he kept complaining. Then the next thing you know, they, they the refs are calling the second half much tighter. Uh, very similar situation here as well. OKC got out rebounded 15 to nine in the first quarter, which is kind of interesting because we thought that would happen Sunday night or sorry Saturday night against the Cavs, um, but it didn't. They actually the Thunder actually out rebounded the Cavaliers. Well, tonight uh, they were getting beat on the boards, and ultimately they they got out rebounded at the end of the game as well, or throughout the entirety of the game. I thought Dort. And I have Dort and Lou here in my notes, but I thought Dort and Shea both were aggressive early, which is great to see. Um, this is from Nick Gallo of OKC Thunder. It's a fun stat. Lou Dort has hit 10 of his last 19 three-point attempts. That obviously was in the first quarter. Um, he's got eight points in the first quarter for OKC. Now has at least two made threes in 26 of his last 30 games. Uh, actually, Worldwide Wob, I'm sure many of you uh, many of you listeners are familiar with, with him and, and his uh, Twitter account. He mentioned how crazy it is looking back on, uh, you know, Lou Dort's game five or game seven, sorry, uh, against the Houston Rockets in the bubble where he was just being left open to shoot. 
And then now it, it almost seems like it's a easy layup for Lou shooting from three, which obviously as Thunder fans know is <laughs> it's not necessarily the case. He's not quite that good from three, but I WAP's point does still stand in the sense that it is pretty incredible seeing the offensive improvement from Lou. And we'll get into his overall offensive improvement um, because he was fantastic offensively or on both of them for tonight. A great two way game from Lou, um, but his three point shot was already there in the first quarter. And you already, you know, it's going to be a fun game, especially offensively from Lou when he's hitting those threes early on. Second quarter. Scoring drought was just awful for both teams. It was just an ugly quarter all around. Porzingis had three fouls, so he goes out pretty quickly. Maverick switched to his zone to try and limit OKC's drives because that was the only way that OKC was really scoring against the Mavericks. Mavericks couldn't score either. Thunder trolled the Mavs 53-42 to at the half. Lou has 14 points. Shea has 11 points, three rebounds. Giddy had like 4.3 rebounds, two assists. Really was the, kind of the big threes night all night, and um, and that showed in the first half. But again, it's just really rough. Thunder weren't able to really get stops. Is just ugly offense from both teams. To that point, Thunder shoot thirty five percent from the floor and seventeen point six percent from three. The Mavs were not much better at all. I don't have their percentages uh, here either, but at, as you can see, um, pretty bad, a pretty boring half as well. Uh, if you all are Marvel nerds like I am, uh, like my co-host JD Silva is, um, trying to think some of our other guys like Marvel, but I don't think as much as maybe JD and me do. Um, but the Moon Knight trailer came out during the, another kind of rough NFL game (laughs) tonight, Monday night football. And uh, I was thinking at this point, and I made the joke, maybe I'm just going to have to like break, you know, pull a ringer binge mode and just break down the Moon Knight trailer for the post-game podcast instead of covering this game because there wasn't a whole lot to cover in the, second, in the first half. But the second half happens, and man, it was a blast. Um, in the sense that, I guess, Saturday night's game against the Cavs was a tale of two halves where the Thunder played great in the first half, not so great in the second. The inverse was true here, although it was both teams who played much better better in the second half and have thankfully given me quite a bit to, to dive into here. Uh, the third quarter, Dignall pulls a surprise. He starts Trey Mann instead of JRE, and we'll get into this. So essentially, he started Shea, um, Trey Mann, Giddy, Lou, and Baisley. No true center. Uh, Luca was getting a lot of Luca calls early on the third. Uh, the Thunder were down 11 heading into the third. That goes all the way up to 22. Thunder did not look great. It, it seemed pretty obvious that they were having trouble with the Mavericks' size. It was not looking good. However, Dignall stuck to his guns, which we, we will get into that as well. The Mavs got up to a 22-point lead, like I mentioned. Thunder started to come back 24-7 run in the final 6 minutes and 13 seconds. They cut it to a 2-point lead for the Mavs, uh, largely led by SGA. 15 points for Shea in the third quarter. Pretty wild. Um, and it just felt like he was either scoring or assisting on just almost every basket. But it's a full-team effort. And what I really loved about Dignall is even though he didn't play a true center the entire quarter, you know, he, like I said, he stuck to his guns. But he stayed he stay small, and he substituted in guys like Wiggins, uh, Mann, Ty Jerome, JRE, Bays, and an out. Actually, Bays was just out <laughs> when he got subbed out uh, about midway, a little earlier than midway in the third quarter. He didn't see the floor again, and honestly, rightfully so. But instead of subbing in guys, you know, we saw Mascal in the fourth fourth quarter. We didn't see him, if at all, in the third. Um, we didn't see favors at all tonight. Uh, Diakite had some pretty solid minutes again, like, you know, defensively, uh, was able to kind of help with Porzingis there in the first half. We didn't see him again in the second half. 
Dave not stuck to his guns and it paid off. Thunder going that huge run, make it a two-point game heading into the fourth. And the fourth quarter did not disappoint either. Thunder and Mavs go back and forth. Both offenses were strong, but Thunder's defense kind of struggled there to start the fourth quarter uh, for the first part of the fourth quarter. It, it felt like they were still, uh, the Thunder were still scoring, but the Mavs are scoring more. <laughs> the Mavs were getting three-point shots. We're getting a few more stops in the Thunder. Next thing you know, it's close to like an eight-point lead for the Mavs. It seems like they're starting to pull back away. Um, Shea had a monster dunk. So he comes back in with about 7.30 left, 7.45 left. Shea has a monster dunk as he uh, flies past Porzingis and whoever else was defending on defending him on the perimeter uh, with about four minutes left in the game. And that kind of sparked what was a wild finish. Lou gets a steal and a layup to cut it to a four-point uh, four lead for the Mavericks. But then on the other end of the floor, Lou's playing defense on Luka. He doesn't see Jalen Brunson coming up to set a pick. Brunson gets set. Lou trucks him. I can't believe Brunson even got up from that. Unintentionally. Unintentionally. Lou didn't see him coming. But goodness, I would not want to be hit uh, <laughs> setting a pick on Lou. Lou fouls out at this point. We're thinking, oh no. Not looking good. So Trey Mann comes back in. Trey Mann gets quite a bit of burn in this game again, which is great to see. Um, he After starting the, the second half, he comes in for Lou after Lou fouls out. He gets a steal on the defensive end, which is great to see. He gets fouled, and then he hits both, both free throws. We're back in this thing. Well, then the Mavs come down. They hit a three. It starts to look bleak. I, I believe the Thunder, or sorry, the, the Mavs were up um, five or six at this point. But the Thunder gets a stop. Then Shea drives down for another Duncan transition. Uh, Two-point game. Thunder foul Hardaway. He misses one of two free throws. 20 seconds to go. Thunder ball. Thunder down three. Giddy runs into Muscala on the inbound play. And Giddy played solid. We'll get into him. Runs into Muscala on the inbound play. Mavs get a fast break. Feel, it, it feels over, right? So a uh, five-point game at this point. Shea scores again very, very quickly, which was huge. Um, then they foul Brunson. Um, Dagon doesn't call a timeout, which was interesting, but it ended up being the, the right call. So Thunder down five with about eight seconds to go. This this was important that he trusted in his guys because Shea and Ty, um, they push the ball. Ty Jerome gets a three. Maz missed both free throws. Then Dagnall was able to use his final timeout. The Thunder are down two with 2.6 seconds left to go. Another inbound play. Another unfortunate uh, uh, turnout. Giddy forces it to Muscala. Turnover, ball game. <laughs> so it was, it was again, pretty, pretty wild. Um, Mark says that the, this was interesting post game. I didn't recognize this until I heard him say this, but Mark said that the play that the Thunder ran at the end of the game was the same one they ran against New Orleans, where Shea nailed the step back three-point shot before Graham obviously hits the three-quarter court shot and wins the game. Um, he says when they run this play, Shea has, or sorry, uh, Giddy, who's inbounding the ball, has Ty Drum on the baseline, Muscala on the backside, SJ at the top of the key. And I, we were talking about this in our, our uncontested slack after the game. It very much seemed like a a play set to get Shea the ball at the top of the key. Um, everybody else clears out and let him go ISO on his defender. Hopefully, uh, you know, setting some picks earlier on in the play, you get a favorable defensive matchup for Shea. And Again, he either hits that step back three, or in this case, he's able to drive to the rim, either uh, draw a foul to hit free throws to tie it up, or he gets a layup. Um, but instead, you could tell Giddy was a little flustered. He tried to force a pass to um, 
to Mike Muscala, that just wasn't quite there. Obviously, that that's option number two, and unfortunately, leads to a turnover and the Thunder lose. However, I'm not putting all the blame on Giddy or anything like that. I think this is fantastic experience for him. <laughs> I mean, this is going to these are the kind of games. You know, we, we talked about Shea um, and, and Lou playing with Chris Paul a couple seasons ago and how that would pay dividends down the road, and we're already seeing that. For example, with, with both of those players, um, possessions like these clutch moments like these for Giddy, um, not just being in 20 point blowouts every single game during the quote unquote tank, right? Like putting getting in these opportunities, I think are going to be so beneficial are going to pay so many dividends down the ro- road when the Thunder are contending again uh, for the playoffs and eventually hopefully a championship. And so I'm not going to blame him for that. I think this is a great learning experience. If you guys listen to my post game, I did on Saturday night, I keep wanting to say Sunday, uh, Saturday night against the Cavs. You'll, you'll uh, hopefully remember, a little segment I did uh, listening to Giddy's post game, how mature that he is. Obviously, he's going to take those last two inbound plays to heart, and uh, he's going to learn from them. And I think that's fantastic. Again, helps our, our draft odds as well. So, kind of a win-win all around, and a very, very fun ending. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Just some post-game notes really quick before we dive into some overall themes. The Thunder shoot 44% in the second half, obviously compared to the stats I threw out earlier for the first half, much, much better. Um, Bays didn't touch the floor after being subbed out. I think I mentioned that. He gets subbed out in the third quarter, doesn't see the floor again. And I think that just shows you um, kind of how the coaching staff and the organization views Baisley right now as a whole. 
And that's unfortunate. Obviously, he's had some really good stretches coming off the bench. But Baze's biggest thing throughout his entire young career so far of three seasons is inconsistency. And he just cannot find <laughs> that consistency. Some of that's internal. Uh, or I would say the majority of that's internal. Um, he just, I don't know. It, it, it's frustrating as a fan as well who wants to see him succeed. And so Baze does not see the floor again after being subbed out. This is also an interesting note. Again, kind of uh, relates to a, a set I threw out there in my post game Saturday night against the Cavs. Two additional 30-point quarters tonight in the second half for OKC. And like I said, I mentioned this in, the, in that post game a couple of nights ago, but the Thunder um, against the Cavs, or sorry, <laughs> heading into that game against the Cavs had four straight 30-point quarters. Um, the first quarter against the Cavs, they that, that made five straight 30-point quarters or more, 30 points or more quarters. Um, and then they fell just short of six straight after the second quarter. I believe they scored like 27 or something like that in the quarter instead of 30 points. The offense really struggled from there, obviously, in the second half against the Cavaliers. And that, like I said, extended all the way through the first half of this game. But I just found this really interesting because I, I heard one of the broadcasters mention it tonight. Thunder had two additional 30-point quarters uh, each in the third and fourth quarter tonight. And I think we see <laughs> uh, that that certainly corresponds to the product we're seeing on the floor, especially when you compare the last four quarters the Thunder played to these. Uh, sorry, I guess, yeah. The, the last two quarters against the Cavaliers and the first two quarters tonight against the Mavericks compared to these last two that they played tonight against the Mavericks in the second half, as well as uh, some of the quarter, you know, some of the games that they played earlier in the week last week that that matches the eye test. So just kind of interesting and kind of corresponds with the post game I get did a couple nights ago, but now for some themes and I am just uh, sticking to my guns here Going negatives and positives, starting with the negatives, always in a lot of positives because there were many more positives tonight, in my opinion. My first negative is Darius Baisley. They just, you know, <laughs> I have to start with it. And I, I hate to keep kind of ragging on Baisley um, in my negatives. I feel like if I go back throughout my post games, he's he's kind of showing up here more. And obviously he had a fantastic, he's had a fantastic stretch uh, coming off the bench ever since mid-December. He's looked so much better, uh, especially... Like I said, against the Cavaliers, he had a great game overall. It was one of the Thunder's better players. But tonight, when he's back in the starting lineup, really bad. And I, like full disclaimer, I understand it was a very touch ma tough matchup against Kristaps Porzingis, who obviously there's very few players in the league who can guard a seven-plus footer, who can space the floor, right? But it wasn't just him guarding Porzingis. It was him going back to some of his old habits and old old ways offensively where he just is a ball stopper on offense. He he catches the ball. He's not making quick decisions. Um, by the time he decides what he's doing, the defender already knows, and it's either blocking him or causing him to drive and do a crazy turnover. It got to the point, to be completely blunt, he was a detriment to the team on that end, and that is why Dagnall didn't play him again in the second half. That's how poor he played, um, even on a rebuilding team. And I don't mean for this to sound like super bleak and like I'm just coming after Baisley, um, but he couldn't even get back in the game, right? And I think that just kind of proves what we've been talking about here about Baisley um, throughout this season. And I hate that for him because you see those flashes of, of talent. And so it, it's just frustrating that he can't seem to string this all together, that he keeps resorting back to bad habits the poor IQ that we mentioned, right? And I don't know. It, it, it's frustrating. Um, I, I just hope he can find that 
that consistency, especially as he heads into a quote-unquote contract year. And I wouldn't be surprised at this point to see him come off the bench for the rest of the season now. Again, I know that sounds kind of harsh. My segment on Baisley, uh, I think very highly of him as a person. Would like to see him succeed. But at this point, I'm not feeling great about it. Um, And it's just something to monitor. I I, I hope he continues to find success coming off the bench the rest of the season and can, can kind of develop some better habits, I think, moving forward. And, and that might save his career in the NBA, if we're being completely honest. My next negative is not a player. Actually, my next two negatives are not players. And those the only other negatives I really have. Uh, but this next one is fouls. 23 fouls, Mavs 19. Now, hear me out. Some of those fouls were not really fouls and were very, uh, quote-unquote, Luka-favored. <laughs> like I said, after Luka was complaining there in the first and into the second half, he started getting some very... Interesting calls, to say the least. Uh, I'm never going to, especially during a tanky season, never going to blame the game on fouls. Um, but it, it's worth mentioning that disclaimer when when I bring up the fouls as a negative point for this team. When I say that, I really mean that first half. Um, there wasn't so many questionable calls then as much as it was just poor defense uh, on, from the Thunder's point, standpoint. And that's to be expected when you have a young, uh, fairly inexperienced team. Right. And, and I get that, especially with some talented offensive players on the floor, even outside of, of Luca for the Dallas Mavericks. So something I want to see, you know, the Thunder continue to work on. And again, like continue to get that experience, especially for young guys like Trey Mann. Uh, I just went blank. Trey Mann, uh, Aaron Wiggins, JRE, right? Guys like that getting experience against some of the high caliber offensive players. Uh, that we saw against the Mavericks, right? Uh, this is really good experience for them to, to help them kind of hone that in the coming seasons and even this season. But again, a negative worth mentioning. Turnovers, my other one. 13 turnovers to the Mavs, 11. It's great that the Thunder Force 11 turnovers for the Mavericks. And again, this is kind of another one that maybe gets a little bit of a pass when you have young Thunder players. But, um, I, and I also think they, they cleaned a lot of this up in the second half, but there's definitely room for improvement there, but enough negatives. Like I said, those, those last two, I kind of had to stretch for a bit mainly because there was a lot of positives in this one. I'm excited to talk about and my first one here that I have not even worth burying the lead. Shay Gillis, Alexander, all-star level performance. One could argue superstar performance, 34 points. Well, I, uh, there we go. 34 points, six rebounds, five assists, 11 and 18 from the floor. Only four three-point attempts, which is fascinating. Uh, again, when Shea was kind of going through that slump here a couple weeks ago, prior to him being out like for, what was it, just one, maybe two games due to COVID protocols, um, he comes back. He's not been shooting nearly as many threes. He's been much more aggressive. We're going to get into that. Um, only four three-point attempts tonight, which was just very interesting and fascinating. And you can see how effective he's been at the rim. And to that point, 11-12 from the free throw line. That is, yes, that's James Harden-esque. That's Luka Doncic-esque, right? Like, that's that's big time. He's starting to get some of these calls. One could argue he even wasn't getting <laughs> all the calls that he should have been getting. 11 of his points coming from the free throw line. And even then, like I said, only 11 of 18 from the field. Very efficient. Absolutely incredible. 15 points for Shane in the third quarter. That's a tw- it, and this is from the, the Thunder broadcast. I want to say it was Gallo again who mentioned this stat. 12th most points in third quarters in the league uh, for SGA, which is wild. And, you know, we talked a lot about early on the season, third quarter Shea, 
it's absolutely a thing. Again, he went through that that slump there, which probably uh, here uh, about a month ago, which probably brought him back down. That's still very, very impressive when you think about some of the most talented players in the league uh, shaving the the 12th highest score in the third quarter. Excuse me. Um, is very impressive. I really like this quote that Mark had. Uh, Coach Dignall had post-game. He mentioned how decisive, and I mentioned this here a little bit ago, how decisive Shea's being, um, how he continues to push the pace. That's the second straight game, by the way, that Dignall has mentioned that post-game. Um, the Mavs were double-teaming, even sometimes triple-teaming Shea, as we've seen throughout the season. And as we kind of saw when he was struggling, going through that slump here, like I said here uh, about a month or so ago. But Shea has now adjusted to this, right? And that's what we were challenging Shea to do, hoping to see him do. Shea is now adjusting to this where he's beating these double teams before they can even trap him because he's making quick decisions. Um, he's making very fast reads, and he's, he's either distributing immediately or he's finding driving lanes before the, the, the defenders can come up to him, and he's driving to the rim. Obviously, we know how talented he is, um, how otherworldly he is around the, win- the rim, being able to... Um, being, being able to finish round defenders and regardless of the length and the height, like we saw tonight, obviously against a very tall Mavs team and also um, even more so a couple nights ago against the Cavaliers with Mobley and Jared Allen, like I mentioned um, in my post game a couple nights ago as well. But man, um, just really, really impressed. And I liked how, how Dignot mentioned that. And I, I, I put this in here. He, again, only four three-point attempts tonight, which I think is is great. Right, that that that's Shea adjusting, but, and I think it was Joe Masato who tweeted this out. Shea's passing up on those catch and shoot threes, and that's something. If again, if if you all have been listening to us uh, throughout the the season, you know that we've mentioned wanting to see Shea take more catch and shoot threes, get a little better at that. Obviously, a little more consistent with his three point shot in general. But the majority of his three point shots, I don't have the stats with me right now, are um, off the dribble or a step back. Right, uh, essentially the same thing, and. I truly feel that he's he's a catch and shoot three and essentially a reliable three away from like not just all star level but superstar level. And you know, I, I don't feel like a homer saying that because I see tweets from like Worldwide Wild talking about Shea after that game, not talking about Luca, <laughs> not talking about the Mavs winning, talking about Shea. Um, I see our good old friends over at the the Step Back uh, Mavericks podcast you know, mentioning how fun Shea is to watch, how much of a joy it is to get to play against SGA and watch him play, right? Again, I think he's a catch-and-shoot catch three specifically, but a reliable three-point jumper away from full-on superstardom. And that's talking like maybe top 15 player in the league, and he's, I don't know, I, I, I think he's flirting with that when he's playing at this level consistently, right? Like I said, we saw him go through a slump here a couple months ago. I'm not trying to get carried away, uh, just like I'm not trying to just completely go out and uh, with the pitchforks you know, <laughs> against Darius Baisley uh, here a little bit ago earlier in the podcast. Um, it's always somewhere in the middle, but exciting, exciting stuff from SGA. Uh, again, his defense was really good tonight. I'm not going to – I got went a little long there, so I won't go as much into his defense, but he had two straight deflections in the third quarter, which were huge during that run. Plus, he had two blocks on the night. We're seeing him be – better and better um, in terms of his shot contesting and help side defense. Uh, Shea's tonight, Mark Shea's 30, sorry, 30, 30 point game would be pretty awesome. Shea's third 30 piece in four games. And he's averaging in those four games, 30 points, 5.8 rebounds, 7.3 assists on 54.5% from the floor, which is a uh, pretty incredible. 
pretty incredible. Moving on to my next positive, Lou Dort. Kind of got the short end of the stick guarding Luca in terms of refereeing um, and just having to guard Luca in general, who obviously is a, a incredible uh, top NBA talent. But like I said, some questionable foul calls there. Nonetheless, he holds Luca to 20 points on four of 17 shooting, 0 of 6 from three. Luca didn't hit a single three point shot tonight, and 12 of Luca's points came from the free throw line. Some of those justified, some of those not. Um, it, I, I don't know. I thought Lou did a very good job on him on the defensive end of the floor, especially after I kind of challenged him after the Cav- the Cavs game, saying that maybe he was uh, he he obviously struggles against the quicker guards like Darius Garland, Steph Curry, uh, but I felt he was a little less engaged defensively um, after being very engaged against James Harden. Well, tonight he comes out. He's very engaged defensively. Does a solid job on Luca, right, and still comes out and scores eighteen points on seven of fourteen shooting seven rebounds, doing a little bit of all of it. I continue to be super impressed with Lou. Really, really excited uh, about what he's doing this season, although I understand that that probably will change as the Thunder move towards contention. His role is going to probably simplify a little more than it is now, but I love what he's showing, the experience he's getting, the versatility. It's it's all great. So Lou Dort, my next positive. Positive after that, maybe a little less than the first two, but um, I thought Getty had a solid game overall. Didn't do anything huge, but I thought he played a really solid game. Uh, I thought he fit really well with the starters, played solid defense. In fact, so much so, and I noticed this, so I looked it up after the game. He played the third most minutes behind Lou and Shea. Dignall really trusted him tonight, used his length and his size, I thought, um, to to the Thunder's advantage. You know, being having a guy like Getty who's so versatile on both ends of the floor, obviously, um, but having that size and strength to be a, not that he's necessarily the quickest defender or even the most physical defender yet, but using that size or having that size allows him to be able to guard some of these uh, other wings and, and players on the other team, which therefore allowed Dignot to go smaller tonight. And I don't think it's coincidence that we see Giddy have the third most minutes behind Lou and Shea. I had that stat line pulled up here. Here we go. 10 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists, only 4 attempts from the floor. That's okay, but 2 of 4 from 3. That 3-point shot continues to look more and more refined, which is um, very exciting. Even if it's small sample size, we can't take a ton away. You obviously can tell a difference. And uh, there was a stat in the broadcast as well about this. I want to say he's shooting like 40% from 3 over his past however many games, which is uh, awesome to see. And like I said, 32 minutes. Um only players with more is Lou with 36 and Shea with 37. So another solid night from, from Josh Giddy. Dare I say the Thunder are starting to form another OK3. We will see. We will see. Just a small positive here just to kind of group these last uh, couple players together. Aaron Wiggins, really, really solid contribution. Played a huge role in that second half comeback. Uh, again, his defensive versatility and size and being able to hit those shots from outside were huge. He ends up with eight points and five rebounds. Uh, love his hustle. Big Wiggins fan. Ty Jerome uh, continued to do some of the small things and have as big of a first half or a game as he did in the first half of Saturday's game against the Cavaliers, but six points, um, two assists from him. Obviously, that huge three down the stretch made it very fun. And then Trey Mann. Uh, I, I love to see. Again, he didn't necessarily have like a huge game offensively. Six points on uh, only one of three shooting, which is kind of crazy. And he had those two free throws down the stretch. But um, the fact that Diggle even had a quote about this post game, the fact that he uh, is able to really compete defensively um, 
it is really, really exciting. And that lineup of Shea, Lou, Trey Mann, Giddy, and Baisley was a lot of fun. I can only imagine what that would look like if the Thunder can look out and get one of these uh, big-time players in the upcoming draft, <laughs> substituting that player in for Baisley. Just very, very excited about Trey Mann as well. And I won't dive as much into depth about him as we get closer and closer into this podcast. I have two more positives here, and, and they're both kind of unique ones because they're not players. They aren't team stats. My next one is Coach Dignall. Um, we often give coaches the blame when teams are losing. It's also easy in this circumstance to give Dignall praise when Thunder are developing players well, right? And so I, I under, I'm not saying that, you know, come three seasons from now and the Thunder are competing for the playoffs. We aren't going to criticize Dignall some as he's learning and adjusting as well in those situations. But I thought Dignall has been doing a fantastic job, and I thought he did a fantastic job tonight. He, like I said, didn't play a true center all third quarter. Um, Muscala comes in in the fourth, so you could call that a true center if you want to, but he didn't obviously favor, didn't see the floor, like I mentioned. He basically played JRE and Baisley at the five, the entire third. Um, And not only that, when he was down 22, he stayed small, and it paid off. He substituted Wiggins, Mann, Ty Jerome, JRE, and, you know, we'll throw Baisley in there, even though he didn't come back in and out. He just essentially went out. Um, but just, it caused Mavs to adjust to him rather than him adjusting to the Mavs. And what I mean by that is you had Max Kaliba um, didn't start the second half because the Thunder, uh, the, the Mavs saw how the Thunder were starting and how they were going small. The Mavs had to adjust to Dignall rather than Dignall adjusting to what the Mavericks were doing, a.k.a. playing Diakite in the second half because the uh, Porzingis was giving you trouble. Um, and I, I loved his quote post-game about this. He says, switching up the stars at half, and this isn't a direct quote, this is a paraphrase, and switching up the stars at half, is kind of, he views it as a substitution, which he mentioned that as well when he started um, Scala in the second half of the Cavaliers game. He felt that they were congested um, in terms of offense there in the second quarter, and I couldn't agree more. He went to trace three-point threat, so he threw him out there. And... Um, it, it, like I said, it worked great. I just feel like he's doing a really good job so far. Obviously, a great development, uh, great player development coach, and uh, he did a really good job tonight. I, I was very pleased and uh, really loved what he did with lineups and also kind of sticking to his guns and seeing it pay off was really cool. So throwing Dagnon in for the positives tonight. And then another fun one to end, Matt Pinto, the OKC Thunder uh, radio broadcast, I guess. So I don't even know what you would call that color commentator, whatever, with Chris Fisher out due to COVID contact tracing. Thankfully, it sounds like he's okay, so that's good as well. But Pinto stepped in the last two games and has done a fantastic job. He is, he's first of all, he's um, very good. He has good chemistry overall with Michael Cage, which is fascinating. But third, he's hilarious, and he's such a thunder homer, and I love it so, 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 so much. So, uh, so like, for example, I'm, I'm thinking about the play where Luca tweaks his ankle again, right? And you have, you know, Mavericks fans on Twitter like, oh, people stepping on Luca's ankles again, no way. And you see the replay, and, you know, Luca did tweak his ankle. It was non-contact, right? But he he certainly tweaked it. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, he, he kind of jumps up at the end of the play and kind of walks with the balls, looking at the ref, like, why isn't that a foul? You know, doing his typical Luca thing. You have Pinto on the broadcast screaming, that should be a travel. Like he's not worried about Luca having an injury. Like Luca's stinking ankle touched the floor and Pinto's over there. Like that's a travel. And then, uh, 
friend of the podcast, Tyler Parker. I, I can't remember. I'll see if I can find it. Um, I hope, nope, I'm on my personal Twitter now. Anyways, he had a, another funny quote uh, from Pinto that he mentioned in there. Andrew Schlecht, who was on the podcast a couple nights ago, uh, he he mentioned as well tonight in a tweet how great Pinto is on the on the on the um, on the broadcast. Huge Pinto fan here, and look, Chris Fisher's a great guy, but man, we need Pinto in some form, some permanent role moving forward on the broadcast. So, anyways, guys and gals, I think that is all I have. Um, like I said, the Thunder lose a another fun one. Um, one could argue another perfect tank game. I actually had a question about this couple like last week you know what do you mean perfect tank game well thunder young guys perform superstar their their main cornerstone moving forward performed very well thunder played a super competitive and fun game but they ultimately lose which helps them in the tank standing to be able to get a another superstar like player uh, to help them moving forward that's what we mean when we say perfect tank game so obviously the Cavs game <laughs> would fall in a similar category as as the one tonight. So the Thunder, they play again. They play uh, against the San Antonio Spurs Wednesday night, which will be very interesting with DeJounte uh, Murray playing fantastic right now. Um, they have the Hornets Friday, another very fun uh, team that's started to move into contention again, uh, playoff contention again. And then they have a rematch with the Cavaliers on Saturday before finally coming back home after a four-game road stretch on Monday against Billy Donovan returning to OKC and the Chicago Bulls. So stay tuned, Uncontested. We'll have you all all covered for all those games as well as our weekly podcast on Sunday night. Until next time, Thunder Up. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.